Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning. My name is Frank Sakari, and you're listening to Life-Altering Events. Well, today I'm going to start this show with the same shameless self-promotion. I've written my sixth book, which is just entering the publishing process, and the book is called The Secret to Walking on Water is to Know Where the Rocks Are. Now, this is a guide for every entrepreneur or business leader or organization leader. Now, over the past 30 years, I've discovered that success isn't coming from working harder or working smarter. It's not about what you know that's going to determine your success or failure. It's also about what you don't know. What you know is not nearly as important as who you know. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. Too many businesses, owners, and organizations, we sink because we don't know where the rocks are. This guide will help you to prepare for what you don't know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all know someone we look forward to seeing or simply just talking to. That person is one who always makes us smile. This person can find the lighter side in almost every situation. They make us laugh, and they laugh at themselves. They remind us that no matter what crisis they or we are facing, our attitude and our outlook makes all the difference. They've had their share of suffering. They've had heartbreak and divorce, the death of a loved one, and sometimes they've stared down a deathly disease. Yet with all this misfortune, it did not break them. They did not fall apart or give up. They pick up the pieces and they keep moving forward. They are grateful for the little things to hold on to and treasure the moments and the memories. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest, Connie Brammer, is that person. She has survived divorce and breast cancer. She is a business owner. She's an author of her own book, How Connie Got Her Rack Back. You got to love that title. She's a contributing author for Chaos to Clarity and the new book, Crappy to Happy, which just became a bestseller last week. She was also kind enough to write a review from my book. Now, in addition, Connie is a speaker. She's a founder of a nonprofit organization, GYRB, for cancer patients. Her Facebook page, Laughter and Inspiration, is the first thing I look at every morning so I can start my day off with a laugh or a smile. Connie, welcome to Life Altering Events. Well, thanks for having me, Frank. Good morning. I hope everyone's doing well today. It's a beautiful day. I'm in San Diego. You're in New York. Both ends of the country covered today. Absolutely. Connie, and it's cold here, by the way. <laughs> and it's cold. It's nice in San Diego. <laughs> Connie, you lost your mother to, to uh, breast cancer when you were about 26, and you were a contributing author for the book Crappy to Happy, and your chapter is named, It's the Little Things That Matter. Now, this was, a, this was a really moving tribute to your mother. Tell listeners what it was like to write that chapter, and give us a little bit about your mom. 
Well, my mom was an amazing person, and she was the one person that I would say is the biggest influence in my life. And I know that you and I have talked a lot about business, and my family owned a car dealership growing up, and I learned business from my father and the importance of relationships from my mother. And in both business and in personal, you can't do anything without relationships, right? So I wanted to write about my mom and, you know, that wonderful mother-daughter relationship that I find very often with a lot of people that I know, they don't have that. And I was so um, grateful that I was able to have that relationship with my mother. So I, everything that I've done in my life, Frank, really has been about my mother, you know, the direction that I've gone in. And I wanted to just write about the importance of that relationship. So it was very emotional to write the, to write the piece. I did cry, and I reread it the other day and cried again. It's just a really emotional, raw place for me. But my mother and I had a really wonderful relationship. And we had, I think it's pretty rare. But I'm fortunate I have the same kind of relationship with my own daughter, which is amazing to me. But my mom was just my best friend. She was my confidant. She was the person who taught me about everything that I really need to know about people and about making people feel special. And she did that. So I wrote about, you know, how my mom, when I would come home from college, would have flowers waiting for me in my room from a florist, not from a grocery store, but from a florist. And this is, you know, years ago, you know, 30 years ago, she would do this for me. So I wanted to write about my mom and, you know, the importance of our relationship in my life and hoping that people will take a look at, you know, how important it is to have these types of relationships with, the, with their loved ones. That's really the reason why I wanted to write it. There were some incredible uh, antidotes in that story, going shopping, saying what the heck or what if or whatever the term your mom used to use. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Well, well, we went shopping, and my mother was never much of a swearer, but when she did, she would drop one. So we were shopping, and one of the things that I learned about my mom is she wasn't able to control her cancer. You know, none of us can control our cancer. When we have cancer or an illness, you can't control that part of your life. My mm-hmm. mother, I realized, especially after she passed, that the thing that she could control was shopping. You know, and much to the chagrin of my visa, I also have a penchant for shopping. <laughs> but my mom, you know, said, if it's on sale, it belongs in my closet. It was kind of a joke between us. So we would go shopping together, and on this one particular instance that I write about, we went on a really great day of shopping. Bought, my mother bought me something that I didn't think, you know, I should have bought, so she bought it for me. And when she passed away and my dad had asked me to clean out her closet, I found many of the things that we bought that day on that shopping trip. So we went shopping in the fall, you know, when things, summer things go on sale, so mm-hmm. she had picked up a lot of things, and she'd say to me, oh, this is for next summer. And part of me, you know, to this day wonders, did she realize then that she wasn't going to be here next summer? You know, that was like the thought that went through my mind a lot when I was, after I had cleaned out her closet. So I cleaned out her closet after she had passed away and found all of these clothes, particularly the ones that we went shopping to purchase with the tags on them hanging in her closet. And I just wrote about you know, the pain of knowing the, my mother had things in her closet that she was never going to wear. And I think that's something that we don't always think about, you know, wearing clothes or wearing jewelry or shoes and things like that. When someone passes, when we look at an object, we say, you know, we don't think about it in, a, in terms of they'll never wear them again. 
And mm-hmm. that was something that I touched on in my chapter. So it was, you know, pretty, I thought it was a pretty powerful um, way to talk about my mom, you know, to lift her up a little bit and, you know, how I felt, how I felt about her and how, what I, you know, what I saw of her. So I wanted to just tell, tell that story of that relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've read this story, and it is, it's, it's very powerful, and it's very moving. Get the book, Crappy to Happy. Read the section that Connie wrote. You will not regret it. Now, Connie, you lived through your mother's journey of cancer, and you were there with her through the whole ordeal. And then you're diagnosed with breast cancer in your mid-30s. Now, I understand mm-hmm. you were a single mom at the time. You had a seven- and an eight-year-old. Right, having lived through this with your mother, what was your first emotion when you heard this news? Well, you know, it's interesting to say this out loud, but I kind of always felt like it was coming for me. I didn't worry about it, but I'm the fourth generation in my family to have had breast cancer, the youngest one to have been diagnosed. Typically, it's been, when I look back in generations, it's been going down, you know, my grandmother, my great-grandmother was diagnosed at 60, and she died, I think, at 61 or 62, all the way down to me diagnosed just after my 39th birthday. So it's, it had come down quite a, a distance in years from each diagnosis, you know, for the previous generation. So my mother was diagnosed at 47. So I kind of always thought about it, but I was shocked when I found out when, they, when my, um, I had to have an ultrasound. That's how I was diagnosed. And the radiologist said to me, you know, I'm 99% sure you have breast cancer. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. I mean, I'm in the car driving home, and I'm like, I have to be the 1%. I have to be the 1%. And I wasn't, but I didn't want to say that I had been expecting it, but in the deep recesses of my mind, I was kind of wondering when it was going to happen. So I got diagnosed at 39. I had just gone through a very tumultuous divorce. And, you know, to this day, my dad thinks that the stress of my divorce, you know, triggered my breast cancer. And that can very well be because there's a lot of, you know, um, scientific research done on, you know, traumatic events, you know, traumatic illnesses prior to cancer diagnosis. So that's something that, you know, he's always, you know, harped on me about. I think that kind of caused it. But I got divorced, newly single mom. My daughter was eight. My son was seven. You know, working from home, I, I was very, very fortunate to have a job with a company where I was not a private contractor, but I worked from home. So it gave me a lot more flexibility as far as wanting to sleep during the day after chemo or, you know, I would work um, doing webinars, actually, audio webinars on my computer while I sat having chemotherapy for a few hours. So I was able to do things that a person who has a normal nine-to-five job was not able to do. So I was very grateful for that. But um, it was a hard time. I have had, I had bilateral mastectomies. I've had 13 in total breast cancer-related surgeries. Six months of a very rotten chemotherapy that I would never want to have again. But I'm here today, and I'll be a 12-year survivor next month. So I feel like when I look at my life, everything that I've gone through has brought me to this point. Like, I think sometimes people say, why does this happen to me? And for, I would allow myself like five-minute pity parties, Frank, like once a week. That was all I gave myself because there are some people that say, oh, I can't get out of bed because of my diagnosis. I'm so sad. And some days I wanted to do that, but there were most days I couldn't because I had two little kids. I had to make them lunches, get them to school, help them with second and third grade homework. 
there was a lot I had to do, so I couldn't do that. But it definitely brought to light the fact that you have to keep moving forward. No matter what is going on in your life, you have to keep moving forward. Absolutely. What a tremendous story. Tremendous story. 12 years. Congratulations. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I'm the, I'm the only one in my family to have gone beyond seven-year survivorship. So to me, that just is huge. And I just recently, actually this month, had my annual oncology visit and my tumor marker was very low. So I was, you know, I always hold my breath when I walk up the stairs to go to the office. And I got the results. I thought, oh, thank goodness. I'll see you next year. All you right. I mean? <laughs> that is great news. That's great news. Now, Connie, the majority of our listeners are women. And now other than mm-hmm. dying as a woman, share with them the greatest fears and concerns that you had as you prepared for this. For my cancer treatment, you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing I thought of, like, I was divorced from my ex-husband who, you know, we've had a really rough road. And all I could think of, and I call it, in my book, I refer to it as Crazy Bill. So I was thinking to myself, I can't die and leave my kids to Crazy Bill. You know what I mean? Like, I've got to pull it together and, and make whatever I've got to deal with work so that I can be here for my kids. That's my, that was my biggest fear as a mom is, you know, what's going to happen to my kids if I'm not here? So on days when I thought I can't get up, you know, I can't do this or that, I had to get up. I mean, I wore a wig, and, and this is a funny story because when I wanted to pick out a wig color, I'm blonde. So I said to the kids, I'm like, hey, what do you got? let's do a little adventure here. Let's have an adventure what color wig should I get? And my son's like, green. And my daughter said, pink. And then I said to him, listen up, guys. I've got to come to school to your programs and, you know, your plays and all that stuff. We're in the wig. And they're like, well, I think maybe you should be blonde, Mom, so you look normal. So I got my wig, and it was very similar to what I normally look like. So many people never even knew that I had cancer unless they were in my inner circle of people and knew. And I would still go to their, to their stuff at school. Like when my son had to do a project and have to speak in front of the class, I went. So I did not want to miss any of those things as a mom. So that was my greatest fear was not being here for them. As a parent, you know, obviously I can relate to that. Um, we are, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come up on a break here. I, Connie's going to go into a lot more depth on, on, on her life and her stories and I don't want to interrupt it in the middle of a break. So let's break here. We'll be right back with more with Connie Bramer. Don't go away. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. 
When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to LifeAlteringEventsRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is our second segment with Connie Bramer. Connie is... One of the people that you find in your life, rare people you find in your life, that will always make you smile and always make you laugh. She has been through a great deal of adversity in her life. In the first segment, she talked about her battle with breast cancer, being a fourth generation in her family with breast cancer, and she is now a 12-year breast cancer survivor. And that is so impressive, and we're so glad that she's with us and sharing this time with us. Now, Connie, when you were going through your uh, the treatment, and your friends are calling and asking for how you doing, how you feeling. You started an online journal to keep people informed. But I also understand you kept them entertained with this journal. And you found something funny to write about this process every day. Where did, where did this humor come from? Well, you know what? Humor, honestly, is the best medicine. And even today, I, you mentioned my Laughter and Inspiration podcast page. And I always like to find funny things. Because I have a little rule in my house that you have to have a good belly laugh every single day. And typically, you know, for my kids, it's at my own expense. But (laughs) I am kind of a smart ass. And I decided, you know, people were asking me about how I was doing. And, you know, you get that constant questioning. And and, and I don't want to put people off. I don't want to put people off. I wanted to make sure I answered everybody all the time. But it's a lot when you're ill to be inundated with phone calls, emails, that kind of stuff. So my mom, her cancer was kind of like the pink elephant in the room, never talked about it. Very, very private. And I felt like I wanted to give cancer a voice, a cancer patient a voice. And of course, it was my voice. It was my smart-assy voice. So I decided to start a CaringBridge website for my journal. So I would keep people kind of abreast, no pun intended, on what I was going through. And I always try to find the funny in almost every situation that I go through. So I would write about funny things that went on. So like, for instance, after I had chemo, my oncologist said to me, so how'd it go? I said, well, if I had one of those astronaut pills, I probably would have taken it and ended it all. And he said, astronauts have pills? I was like, yeah, what do you, have you not seen Apollo 13? 
So I would write about funny things that happened, and people would write me back. And, you know, years later, I really thought about it, and it was my therapy. You know, I didn't think about it as far as having a support group, but they became my support group. My family, my friends, my sorority sisters from college, that was huge. They were, they're, they're in my book, I have my journal entries, then what people would write to me, and then really what was behind the scene, the raw stuff going on. Like, I didn't, I wasn't always a Pollyanna. People always kind of see me as a Pollyanna because I'm always pretty happy. But I wrote in between the journal articles the raw stuff that was going on, like sitting in the shower, watching the last of my hair go down the drain. But of course, Frank, as a woman, the one thing that would have been a benefit of having chemo and losing hair would have been to lose the hair on your legs. But that didn't happen. So I still had to save my legs. I'm like, that's kind of like a red-nailed middle finger from Mother Nature right there. You know what I mean? So I wrote Mm -hmm. about that. I wrote about my wig flying off in a tree in Saratoga Springs, New York, on a hot summer day. After my chemo, my brother came up from North Carolina to take me out. He's like, get dressed. You're getting out of the house. So put on a cute little sundress, had my expanders in my chest, so I kind of had a little bit of a chest wore a cute sundress and heels, had my wig on. We were walking on a really bizarre, like, uneven side street, you know, where the, where the mm-hmm. sidewalk is, like, uneven with roots going through it. So I, drew, I ducked under this tree that, was, that I felt was too low. And, of course, the wig, if it had a sound effect, it would have been, like, whoosh, and flew off my head, hung in the tree, and flew down to the ground in slow motion. So I wrote about all of those funny aspects of having cancer that most people don't think about, but still in the book, I did write about, you know, the tough parts because I wanted to be real about it. And Mm -hmm. I wrote my book for me, not for anybody else, but for me to kind of take my cancer, put a bow around it and put it in the backyard, bury it in the backyard and really writing it, Frank, I know you write a lot of books, but don't you feel sometimes when you write your story, it's very cathartic. Like Mm -hmm. it was peaceful and serene for me to put it all out on paper. And what I have found for my book is people have written me and said, you know, thank you for writing this. It's like my chemotherapy manual or it's my breast cancer manual, or now I know what my wife is going through or my sister or my mother or my daughter. So I've gotten a lot more from this book than I thought I was going to get out of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. It absolutely does. Now, tell us about this title. Because when I first talked to you and I brought it to your website, I just burst out laughing when I saw the title. How did you come up with that title? Well, at the time that I wrote my book and gone through my cancer, I was traveling for work, and I was on planes a lot. And I would be in the airport, and I would see books, you know, facing outward. And, you know, I always, I used to be Mary Kay sales director years ago, and I would say, you know, what you think about, you bring about, is what Mary Kay Ash used to say. So I would think Mm -hmm. about that, and I would say, you know what, if I wrote my book, and one of my girlfriends said, we're going to have a How Connie Got Her Boobs Back trip. We're going to go to Arizona for a trip when I was all done. That was like the joke amongst my core group of friends. And I thought, I can't name it How Connie Got Her Boobs Back because no bookmaker or, or bookstore will put it outward facing in an airport. So no one will see my book. It was just like a mental thing. So I changed boobs to rack. And really, the true meaning of it isn't even about the breast cancer journey. 
It's about getting yourself back. So rack can equate to your act back, like ACT back, yourself back. It's my play on words for my own journey, but really it's a, it was about the journey of getting myself back and what did I learn about myself and what did I learn about life through my journey of having breast cancer. That's what the, where the name all came from. One of the amazing things about this book, ladies and gentlemen, is, is uh, and cancer is, is a horrifying thing, but Connie puts a, a real-life spin on it. There's good, there's bad, and the humor in, in it and the stories are, are just phenomenal, just phenomenal. Now, Connie, well, you, you, you launched you. your book. You're, you're hysterical. You launched your book, and then you started a nonprofit organization, GYRB, to help cancer patients. How'd that come about? And tell us some of the things you're doing with that foundation. Well, I started, I decided I wanted to have a book launch party. That's where it all started. To thank all my family and friends for really kind of hanging out with me and and getting me through my journey. So I called it the Get Your Rack Back event because of the name of the book. So we, I decided then I wanted to, I'm in business, I'm in the car business, I know a lot of people in business, so I decided I'm going to turn it into a fundraiser. So we raised money initially for the first three years with Get Your Rack Back events to other um, organizations that provide services to cancer patients. And then I got thinking about it and I thought, you know what, I really want to know the people that we're helping, not personally, but know that if someone gives me money in a certain county in my state that is going to a patient in that county. And there's a misnomer that it only, we only help breast cancer patients because of the name. And that's why we've kind of rebranded it to GYRB. So GYRB.org is the name of the website where you can find out more information. But we help all cancer patients, men, women, and children with varying types of cancers. So in 2015, actually 2014, I decided I wanted to start my own foundation. I did all of the paperwork. And we were going to do things like financial services, like paying a gas bill, a light bill, things that help people with today needs. And I was at my um, breast surgeons because I had a little bit of a scare. I had, I had bronchitis so bad that I coughed so hard, Frank, I inverted one of the edges of my, my, my um, implant. Mm-hmm. So I thought I had a lump. So I was all freaked out. Oh. So I get in there, and he was telling me this. I was telling him about my foundation, what I was working on. And he said one of his cancer patients was 30 years old, had two small children, worked for a local company, and had to either work or get treatment. She could not do both because she needed to provide for her family. She did not get treatment. She decided to work, and she died. 30 years old with two little kids. Mm. Husband, who had been so grief-stricken, he took his own life a few months later. So these two little kids have no parents, and they're living with the grandparents because the woman had to choose between putting food on the table for her family and paying for her treatment. And it, like, I can't even tell you what came over me, Frank. It was like, I can't have this happen. So I got in my car, I, right at the doctor's office, called my attorney, and I said, can we change my, my nonprofit bylaws to include paying copay assistance for people? He said, yes, mm-hmm. but it's going to change your timeline of becoming a nonprofit. So I said, all right, I will wait because I think we need, this is important to me. You know, my doctor mentioned this to me. We've got to change what's happening in the world with our cancer patients. So I waited for everything to be done. And when you become, when you decide to become a nonprofit, a 501c3, you have no say in the date that is chosen for you to start your nonprofit, like the date the IRS and the Attorney General's Office deems you a nonprofit. 
Well, Frank, it's the craziest thing, but I got the paperwork, and the launch date of my foundation is March 17th, 2015, and that is my mother's birthday. Mm, wow. So, so I was like, this is a sign that amazing things are going to happen with this foundation. So each patient that we help receives $500 in assistance. It is whatever they need. So they might need groceries. They might need gas gift cards. They might need copayment assistance. One patient we had a few years ago, I called her oil company because she needed the heating oil. And I said, if, you know, can you tell me how much this patient owes? I want to pay it for her you know, up to 500. He goes, well, I can't tell you what she owes. I said, well, let me ask you this question. If I give you $500, will it cover it? He said, almost. I said, this patient is, you know, 34 years old with breast cancer, two little kids. Can you please, you know, pay the remainder for her? And he said, I will do that. So I can, I can kind of paint outside the lines a little bit because, you know, it's my foundation, but typically we do gas and grocery gift cards, medical copayment assistance are the three things. We've paid for hotel stays for cancer patients who need to come from far away to have testing done the next day, but don't want to drive back and forth. We've done that. So my friend Maria Mancarelli is a Mary Kay sales director, because as I said, I used to be a Mary Kay sales director. She was creating chemo packages. So she was taking donations for chemotherapy packages, which would, which would receive a customer or a patient would receive like um, fuzzy socks, um, foot cream uh, for women. This is for women. A, um, an eyebrow pencil because most cancer patients lose their eyebrows. Just, you know, lip balms I put in there. Um, M&Ms that help with this, the taste of chemotherapy. Um, what else was I putting in there? Um, antibacterial lotion. So all these things that would make a patient feel better, we put that together in a box. Then I put with it their gas cards, grocery gift cards, medical copayments, this is whatever they need, with a personal letter that I write each patient. So I ask the doctor's offices to tell me more about the patient. So I work with nurse navigators, and I work with oncology offices and um, hospitals. And when I started my foundation, I thought if we could just help two patients a month with two doctor's offices, I would be completely excited. Well, now we've grown to 20 doctor's offices. And before the pandemic, we were helping 10 to 12 patients a month. Well, now with the pandemic, all of my fundraising has virtually been halted. We have a fundraiser on October 28th. It's, a, it's an online trivia night. Anyone in the world can get on it. And if you want to have information about that, it's on gyrb.org. But that's what we do for patients. And then men, I still write a letter for men because we help men, women, and children. And they just receive a card. They kind of get stiffed on the uh, basket, Frank. But, you know, mm-hmm. one guy's going to want some fuzzy <laughs> okay. socks, right? Yeah, so I guess we'll pass on just, that one. They just get an envelope. So I bring that. I don't. I don't get engaged with the, with the client, the patient myself, because, you know, I want it to be more of a gift to them that they don't know who gave it to them. So I bring it to the doctor's offices and then they provide it to the patient. So they do, a, they've created, a, there's a form on my website that doctor's offices have access to and they tell me about the patient, the patient's diagnosis. So we help a lot of men. I mean, that's kind of surprising. People don't think that, but there's a lot of men with colon cancers, head and neck cancers that we help, um, brain cancers, all different types of cancers we've helped. And to date, we've 
provided about $500 in services to almost 300 patients since 2015, including the pandemic period, because we haven't had a lot going on. And then we also have a Christmas stocking drive, because when I was diagnosed, it was near Christmas. It was November. And luckily for my ex-husband, I went out and did all the Christmas shopping prior to my, my bilateral mastectomies in December. So I thought about it, and I was thinking, you know, I bet you there's a lot of people who really can't go shopping because they're ill or they can't do this for their kids. So we have an event in December, which this year will be virtual, unfortunately, but hopefully it will still go well, called Diamonds in December, where one of our jewelry store friends, Hoff Jewelers, donates a piece of jewelry that we raffle off, and we're going to do it virtually this year. That event funds our Christmas stocking drive. And to date, we've delivered, stuffed and delivered over 1,500 Christmas stockings to kids affected by cancer. So we help a children's hospital with, with kids who have illnesses, plus all of our cancer patients, their children. So, so that's my most important thing that we do. And I said to my board this year when the pandemic hit, I said, no matter what, we have to do these stockings because our patients count on them for their family. So that's kind of the gist of what we do. It's about helping people with today needs because I knew when I started my foundation, we weren't going to solve the problem of cancer. You know, no one's been able to do that yet to my knowledge. So I wanted to help with boots on the ground. We're a grassroots organization, all volunteers. And I just wanted to put help in the hands of people locally. So right now we started with helping just the capital region of New York and now we do the entire 518 area of upstate New York, which is quite large. My dream is to go through all of New York and beyond all 50 states and have boots on the ground everywhere in the country because there's a need everywhere for cancer patients. That's an incredible story. Ladies and gentlemen, what Connie's doing to me is, is spectacular. There's cancer research and there's all these other things that are going on and they're all wonderful and, and, and they're necessary. But dealing with the individual so many times gets lost. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And Connie's organization is going out and touching those people and telling them, it's okay. You're going to, we're going to work with you. We're here for you. That's the kind of organization that you want to be engaged and involved with. Now, October 28th, Connie mentioned this online trivia um, event she's going to have. Please Go to her website. What's that website again, Connie? GYRB.org. GYRB.org. The tickets are $20. All proceeds are going to cancer patients. It's an hour and a half of trivia. It's kind of like a jazzed up, funny version of Trivial Pursuit. And we have these one, this wonderful guy, Joe Chera, who owns Big Town Productions in New York City. And he comes up every year for my gala free of charge because he loves what we're doing for cancer patients because he's from my area. He grew up here. And he's hosting it for us. And it's going to be a riot. So it's 10 um, rounds of seven questions. And they're going to be like, name that tune and, ge- you know, geography and history and entertainment, sports and general questions. It's going to be so much fun. So I hope people will join in. The, the Zoom call can hold up to 500 people, which is amazing to me. So you get on the Zoom call. Once you, once you buy your ticket from my site, you get your Zoom call. And then on the Zoom call, on the night of, you get the link for the game. And then you play the game separately on your phone and stay engaged on your computer with Zoom if you can. 
and it will be a blast. We have lots of prizes. So we, we're hoping that we can have at least 100 people on it to help for cancer patients. That's our goal, minimally. But thank you for mentioning it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, seriously look into this. This is one thing you'll find about Connie is she has she has so funny and she has so much humor and laughter and the people that associate with her make things fun. So it's not going to be a hardcore depressing poor me kind of a thing. It's going to be a great event. I strongly encourage everyone to go um, sign up and, and do this. Well, we're up against another break. This has been two incredible segments. The third one's coming up, and it's the best one yet. Do not go away, ladies and gentlemen. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Sakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We've had two segments with Connie Bramer. This has been this. You, you, we've heard compassion, we've heard grit. And we've heard humor. And these are three things that just pretty much define Connie. And, and she has put together a, a nonprofit foundation. She is helping cancer patients at the individual level. And that's so important to not forget the individual while we spend money on research and all the other things, which are also important, also important. Now, Connie, one of the things you write 
Um, and you've evolved it into a podcast. But one of the things you write about are funny things that occurred as you're as you're uh, coming out of this cancer treatment. One one that just made me laugh out loud was going to a school function, and I think the term you used was the perfect size two skinny mom saw me and said, "You look amazing. What have you been doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my wig on, I'm bald, and I was very thin. You know, I've never been a total skinny mini, but I lost quite a bit of weight with with chemotherapy. And one of the moms came over to me. She goes, oh, my God, you look so amazing. What have you been doing? And I should have just said, you know, eating well, you know, but I'm kind of a jerk. So I said, just six months of chemotherapy is all it took. And they were mortified, mortified. And then another woman had said to me, oh, my God, your hair looks amazing. What have you been doing? I said, it's a wig. And she goes, well, why would you have a wig? And I said, because I've had chemotherapy. And she was, she, you know, she did the uh, jaws of life to extricate her size, perfect size eight from her mouth. But, um, you know, I have to make a little light of all of it, you know. You got to laugh about it. Absolutely. It reminds me, you remember Gilda Radner from Saturday Night Live? Yes, I loved her. Gilda Radner obviously had cancer, and she was gone for a while going through all the treatment. And Gary Shanling, who was also departed, had a TV show. And so Gary Shanling would do the thing where there would be a knock on the door, and he'd open the door, and then someone would come in, and the crowd would go crazy. Yep. Well, he wanted Gilda, he wanted Gilda to come on. You remember that? And she yep. didn't want to do it. She didn't want to come on because... She was afraid. She didn't know if they would remember her, if they cared anymore. And door knocked. He opened the door. She came in. The crowd went nuts, absolutely nuts. And then Gary Shanley asked her, Gilda, what have you been up to? And she goes, I've had cancer. Unbelievable. It was just, what a moment. All right, so you've yeah, got this. She was no, a great have Go ahead. Yeah, she was great. You have a Facebook page, Laughter and Inspiration. First thing I do every morning, as I said in the beginning, is I get up and I look for a post there because it makes me laugh or it gives me a smile. Now, you've taken this approach and you've created a podcast, which is exploding all over the place. Tell us about that. Well, last year, I met the owner of the Speaking to the Heart podcast network. His name is Shane Schultz. And he had, you know, said, oh, you got to do a podcast, Connie. Like, it'd be so great. I want you to be on my network. And Frank, I'm such a perfectionist. Like, I'm kind of a pain in the ass. And I was just waiting for this lightning bolt to come down and say, Connie Bramer, you know how to do podcasts now. Because I really don't know shit, okay? (laughs) Basically, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, right? So he finally said to me, like, I kept putting him off because I have this event. And I've got that event. My kids are both going to college. There was always an excuse. So then the, the pandemic hit, and he calls me. He goes, look, we need this, because we'd already decided on what I was doing. It was going to be called Laughter and Inspiration, and we were going to do it. And I had had a show on, a, you know, I had one show on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, and I called it Laughter and Inspiration. You know, I talked about how I had that radio show. So I did that for, I had like two episodes on that. And by the way, people, Doing a radio show is a lot of work. So hats off to you, Frank, for all the great things that you're doing because it's a lot of work. So he had said to me, what do you want to name? I said, well, let's just go with Laughter Inspiration because that worked for me for the radio show. It was great. So I wanted to have this show be about laughing, about something, and having people leave my show feeling inspired, inspired to do better, be better, find what you're passionate about, you know, too often people are complacent in their lives and just are just doing the everyday and they've let their dreams go by. 
And the people that I'm interviewing, you know, such as Frank and all the people in Crappy to Happy, uh, authors in Chaos to Clarity, um, my friend Greg Adela, who's a comedian and um, life coach, and uh, and and a, uh, he's an actor. I'm interviewing him. Like I have all different kinds of people, musicians, people that I want you to dream a little bit. You know, so I want you to. We have some laughs. We dream a little bit in the show. So I started the podcast in March is when I started to do things. So I did the podcast page in preparation of the podcast, and I said, you know, here's the deal. We want to post things that are funny, some things that are inspiring, and because I'm who I am, I'm a little heavier on the the laughter part. So what was so great about this page is that people started to be more interactive and share their own funny stuff. So mostly it's, it's like funny memes, funny videos, funny sayings, and it has been such a great way for people to start their day, and I get amazing feedback on it, Frank. Like people will call me and say, I could not stop laughing this morning at X or Y, and I, and I every morning, like you just said, I get on it for five minutes to laugh. The whole point of that page, especially now with, you know, what's going on, with our election coming up and the pandemic, we all have all these outside worries. And I want this page to be a five-minute escape a day or longer, if you want, where people can just scroll through and have a couple chuckles or find something that is inspiring to them, like some saying that they might find on there that's more inspirational. But that's the point of the page to go with the podcast. And the podcast has been such an amazing experience. I've met incredible people. The stories are all really, truly inspiring, and there's been a lot of laughter. I try to, every cast that I have on, I read them one funny quote, that's part of my thing on my podcast. So we talk about keeping a gratitude journal after I read the funny quote. So everyone has a good reaction to the funny quote. And then we talk about, you know, what are they grateful for? Because when I write my personal letter to the cancer patients we help at my foundation, I tell them, write down three things a day that you're grateful for because it helps put you in a positive mindset, especially before you go to bed. So I ask my guests, what are your three things? So there's kind of a format to it, but it's been such an amazing experience. And just this week, our podcast, well, now we have the Phoenix Radio Station. So you can listen mm-hmm. to it at phoenixradio.org. It's a live streaming radio station with top 40 hits interspersed with our, all of our podcasts. So my podcast airs at 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday nights. So you can find it on speakingtotheheart.org. You can find it on phoenixradio.org. And you can also find it on my personal Facebook page and on the Laughter and Inspiration Facebook page. So we've just had a great time. And you've been in on that, Frank. So we've had fun, right? Yes, we did. It was, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Connie is uh, a great interviewer. And it's, it makes you think. And it's and you laugh. And, and that's the best part about it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is you, you listen to this. And, and it makes you smile, and it makes you laugh, and it makes you think, hey, life, regardless of all the nonsense that's going on out there, it's going to be okay. Just stay focused and smile. That's right. Stay your path. And if you're not on the path you want to be on, I'm hoping that the podcast, was specifically as it relates to the guests I've had, 
will inspire people to, to shift paths. You know, there's always forks in the roads where we have to make decisions. And my hope is that if you're not happy with where you are and your fork in the road, you choose the other direction and do something that inspires you. And that has been something that a lot of people have told me they've gotten out of the podcast because of the guests that we've had. And mostly so far since I started, they've been the crappy to happy authors who are all in their own right amazing. I mean, Frank's story himself is fantastic. And I can't wait for your new book to come out because I had the, you know, absolute blessing of reading it, and it's amazing. So everybody has an interesting story to tell. That's why I wanted to have this podcast. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be famous in any way, but I wanted to, everybody's got an interesting story to tell. And I've got this platform now, and so do you, Frank, where we can talk to really interesting people to shed light on things that are happening in everyday people's lives that are interesting and inspiring and laughing about it. And that's what's truly amazing about it, ladies and gentlemen. We're not just the rich and the famous. Um, These are people like us, everyday people, you and I, those of you who are listening, challenges we faced. And then I've I've received a great deal of feedback saying, you know, Frank, I thought I was the only one going through this depression or this frustration or this battle with cancer or whatever the case might be or divorce. You're not. There are so many people, and as Connie mentioned, Crappy to Happy is now a bestseller. Every one of those stories is, I think it's 30 authors. Is that right, Connie? 30 authors? Yes. And, they will, authors. and, they will, yep. and they're walking through the ordeal with you. So find the book, get it. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. Now, Connie, you spoke already about this. You, you, you speak a great deal about being grateful for life experiences. Now, I've talked to many people over the last 68 weeks or so, and they find that they become bitter. They become bitter if they lose their mother, in your case, as a young adult that had cancer or divorce and all these types of things. No one wants those experiences, but you always find a way, something to be grateful for. What are, the, what are you grateful for from all these experiences? Well, I think I'm grateful for the fortitude I have in my life. You know, I think I am a lot stronger than I thought I was ever. And I think I've learned that strength is an inner thing that you've got to just dig deep. And my mother used to have this saying, you know, pick yourself up and, you know, dust yourself off or, you know, what was the thing about the bootstraps? She'd pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. Mm-hmm. My mother used to have this thing called um, stick to as she would call it, you know, sticking to something. And I think far too often in life, people get frustrated at certain aspects and then they just give up because they don't work through. It's like you and I were talking earlier on the break that, you know, what, did you become an overnight success? No, there were 30 years of working on it. You know, so there's a lot of things that you don't realize that take time. So I've learned to hang in for the long road um, for things I've wanted to accomplish. That's one thing that I've learned in my life. Um, I'm very grateful that I've stuck to a lot of things that I could have easily given up on. That's something I'm grateful for. I'm definitely grateful for my family. My kids are the most amazing people, and they've learned, you know, how hard it is to move through pain and move through illness, and they've done it with me. And ironically, they are two of the most key people in my foundation. You know, they've, they've helped plan them. They're there to work them. They've learned a lot through my journey about 
how they want to be as people. And I'm really grateful for that. They're both very giving and caring and empathetic individuals, and I'm grateful for that. But I'm really super grateful for my health because if it weren't for my health at this point in the game and I wasn't here, like I said, and my kids were in crazy feel like I was joke about, it would be a totally different story. And it's interesting when I ask that question on the podcast, everyone's answer is different. They're not all, you know, cookie cutter, oh, I'm grateful for my family. Mm-hmm. One of our guests said, I'm grateful I can read. People don't think about that. You know, the smallest things that you're grateful for. I remember one day when I was going through my illness, I had to write three things down, and, like, I had a really crap day, and I wrote, one, woke up, two, didn't puke all day, and three, had milk for the kids for cereal. And <laughs> it, you, can, you can see how you morph in that, you know, from the mundane to the more meaningful. And, you know, it's interesting. My, my journal was destroyed in a, in a basement flood I had here in my house. But it was so great to look back on where I had been. And that's something that people often don't do because they just want to put the past behind them. But I think it's really critical that if you keep a gratitude journal, and I encourage people to do that, write down three things a day. It could be stupid. I, I'm grateful I had pasta tonight. Whatever, right? If you can't that's think of wonderful. anything, think of something simple. Write it down and then look back on the previous week, the previous month, the previous year. And it's really amazing to see where you've morphed to as far as what your gratitude extends to. Exactly. Does that make sense? Well, Connie, we are just about out of time. Um, I want to thank you for uh, sharing this story. Ladies and gentlemen, get her book, How Connie Got Her Rack Back. Go to the foundation and listen to her podcast. If you'd like more information about Connie, please contact me directly or go to her website. I'll make sure you get it. And if you missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you can listen to them on on demand on iHeartRadio, Google, Alexa, and any place you get streaming material. Now, let me leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. None of us are in this alone, and the secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Connie showed us where many of those rocks are. Join me again next week when we discuss another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning in to Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cup.